If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke 19. Luke 19. And to be honest, I really prayed yesterday. I said, Lord, you're going to have to fill my mouth tomorrow because some, some weeks are easy to study and some weeks are difficult, just to be honest with you. And I talked to Leah just for a word of encouragement yesterday, kind of mid-afternoon. And uh, we had watched a movie on Friday night where the person said, if you sit long enough in the question, the answer will come to you. And so I called her back an hour later. I said, I've sat long enough and no answer has come to me. So <laughs> what, what, what are you supposed to do? Because I really sat and pondered. Can I just chat with you for a little while? I really was sitting and pondering the fact that it's Valentine's Day tomorrow, that we celebrate love. And so I was really thinking along the simple lines of the fact that God so loves and cares about us. And I'll just tell you exactly how I felt like the Holy Spirit impressed my heart. And when I say the Lord spoke to me, it's just an impression that I begin to get of what he is maybe speaking over a congregation and speaking today by way of encouragement. And I began to think about the fact that Jesus basically gave us two commandments, right? What, what are they? Love the Lord your God, God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is like it. What did he say? Love your neighbor as? Absolutely. Those... When Jesus came on the scene, he came with about 630-some fence posts that had been put up in order to kind of keep people out and keep people in is, is basically what it would amounted to. I know there's a lot more to it than that. But when he came, he kind of boiled it down to those two things because life in Jesus isn't about fence posts and fences as much as it is finding a well of him and his presence. I heard a story one time, and I've shared this before, I heard a story one time in Australia, they have huge cattle farms. There's some of their cattle farms are sometimes 70 miles long by 30 miles deep. And by virtue of having a cattle farm that large, you can't put fences up. And so there was an American that went over to Australia, and he happened to be a cattle farmer back in America. And he asked the rancher, he said, how is it that you keep your cattle here on the ranch without putting fences up? He said, it's simple. We, we strategically dig wells, and they will not wander off from the well of life that they're near. Can I tell you, that's Christianity 101 for us this morning. I'm just going to talk to you for a little bit. Here's what the Holy Spirit began to impress on me when it comes to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as, everybody say, my, yourself. The Holy Spirit spoke to me yesterday very plainly and simply, and he said, he said, Jason, the people can't love others because they haven't begun with loving themselves like I love them. I know that's so simple. But when you catch a revelation, listen to me, when you catch a revelation of how much that God loves you, I have been praying for years now since I came to this church that God would rend the heavens and come down, that he would blow with a fresh wind of the Spirit and fresh fire a fresh experience of him and his presence. The Holy Spirit spoke to me yesterday, and he said, the next move of God isn't going to come from up above. It's going to come from one another. I'll say it again. The move of God is when we begin to love and honor one another, and you can't love and honor one another if you look in the mirror and you can't love yourself. Today I am not talking about humanism, because that, that's why it took me so long to study this week, because... Every time I began to think about the concept of loving yourself and talking about that today, 
I kept coming back to, Lord, we live in the most self-absorbed culture on the face of the earth. But listen to me. Some of the most miserable people are the ones that build themselves up the most. Some of the people that, that look in the mirror. Here's what I want to get through to you today very simply, yet I think very profoundly is simply this, is when we see that, that God said, love him, you put him first in everything. You put him at the top. And then other people, so those are the two commandments, but there's something we miss in between. God, ourselves, some of you even say, I could really love myself if I didn't have this past. Can I tell you, your past is part of what is created to be who you are today, and God can redeem it and use it for his glory and his testimony to what? To reach out to other people. And I'm telling you something so so so, so powerful. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's in you. I know, I know you acknowledge that mentally today and say, yeah, I know the Bible says he's in me. Listen to me. He is in you. He is in you. And like I just mentioned uh, just a moment ago, God doesn't make junk. He doesn't. When the, when the Bible says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper and I will rise up and, and rebuke every tongue that rises against me, here, here's the feeling I get for, mo- for a lot of you in here. The tongue that's rising up in, against you is your own. I have been on this since the beginning of the year in some form or fashion because the Holy Spirit just keeps bringing me and keeps bringing me to a fresh place of, Jason, make sure that these people stand on a firm foundation of who they are in me. Because when you look in the mirror, if you can't look and begin to really truly love yourself the way God loves you, I'm telling you, that love will never, you can't give what you don't possess. And as we begin to see ourselves, how God sees us, then there's something very profound and there's something very powerful that happens. And we begin to love others. That's really what Jesus was getting at when he said that. I'm trying to just get you to see how valuable God says you are. And frankly, we don't treat others with the value they need to be treated with because we don't treat ourselves with the value we need to be treated with. Are you listening to me this morning? We don't treat others with the value that they deserve to be treated with. So in other words, what the Holy Spirit began to speak to me is the move of God is going to be one of honoring each other because anybody that you meet that's in Christ, listen to me, they are valuable. You are chosen. You are loved. You are holy. You are royal. You are a king's kid. That's who you are if you're in Christ. And Paul did say that in, in, in the context of food and things like that. But I think the principle applies all throughout the word of God. That don't call common what God has called uncommon. You are uncommon. You are a king's kid this morning. And that's such a beautiful thought. And listen, Valentine's Day had me remembering all those rejected times in my life. Has anybody been rejected from something? Come on, am I in the right room? Of course we have. I used to bring the little Valentines, you know, the ones your mom and dad would get you in the box. Do I have any 80s kids in here, 90s kids? Okay. What would you do? You'd get home and you'd be so excited because there'd be that one girl or boy in the class that you wanted to write something special on their card, right? Do you like me? Yes? No? Maybe? I'll never forget. I was probably only in the fourth or fifth grade, but 
I wrote one to this particular young lady in class and had a friend deliver it. And all it had on the front was Jason. Well, there's two Jasons in the class. She was saying yes to the other Jason. I didn't find that out for a few hours. It's like, oh, that Jason. Sorry, I I thought it was from this Jason. Listen, we all have those times. And, and, And as we grow older, the stakes of rejection actually go up. Because we apply for that job, we, we, our marriage, according to what we think is going great, everything's humming along, kids are good, family's good, marriage is good, you're in love, and then when you wake up one day and you're not anymore. Listen, these are real things that we deal with and real rejection that we deal with throughout life. I've told this story before, but it is the Lord's honest truth. When they pick for kickball, they picked a kid with a broken leg before me. Y'all, he had a broken leg. I'm like, really? I don't know what it was about my hand-eye coordination when I was young, but it was not good. I didn't really even blame them. Like that ball would be rolling to you, and I'd be the guy to kick straight over it. Oh, pitch again. But listen to me this morning. I want you, on this day before Valentine's Day, I want you to understand how precious you are to the Lord. I want you to understand how valuable. Here's, here's the reason. Because when you understand, and listen, I'm not talking about humanism. I'm not talking about just some kind of a, a little rah-rah speech today. I want at the very core of who you are. Why? Because until you really grasp how valuable and how loved you are, you cannot go about honoring people that aren't necessarily even honorable. Jesus said that we would be known by our love for one another. And the Holy Spirit has just been dealing with me over the last few weeks, but especially yesterday and the last couple days, that many of you don't see the love and value that God has for you. In other words, you can't love others. You can't love your neighbor properly because you don't love yourself. Listen, it's when you get into proper alignment with God's word and that love begins to flow out and that love begins to come to you then it naturally flows out onto other people. In this age and day that we're in, church, of divisiveness and hatred and people trying to put fences up and saying, well, if you do it that way, you're over here, and if you talk, you're over here and you're over here, can I tell you what's going to bust down those dividing walls in the church and in families and in culture? It's going to be the love of Jesus Christ. It's going to be his love, and you can't spread the love if you don't realize how much love, how loved you are. And I mean it this morning. Your picture is probably on God's refrigerator. Not yours, George. Somebody's. Because we, we say to each other, and I said that in a joking way, but to tell you how I really feel about you, you're valuable. Vita, you're valuable. You're valuable. Ginger, you're valuable. I'm messing with Ginger. And this morning in Luke 19, we're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus. Because Zacchaeus is somebody that very, very much was somebody who had been pushed out. And Jesus just wanted to bring him in. Somebody that was literally hated by the crowds and the people that were following Jesus. 
and even somebody like that, what did he do as we see here in these scriptures? What did he do? He ran and he climbed. Can I tell you this morning, if you will be a person who will run to Jesus, do what you have to do to get to him, we see in the story, and I'll just go ahead and just lay it out there right, right here, right now, because I feel it in this moment. When Jesus called him down out of the tree that we're getting ready to read about, and I'll say it again in a minute, when he called him down out of the tree, everybody else had been saying this about him. But when he called him down out of the tree, and it only took a few seconds probably to climb down, I want you to understand this morning that by calling him down to the tree, he was calling him what he saw him as, not what everybody else called him. Some of you have lived for decades and decades out of what other people have said about you. And this morning, I just want you to grasp a good old, solid, firm foundation of what God says about you, what, what his thoughts are. Jeremiah 29, 11. Amen? I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Plans that give you a hope and a future. If you're in Luke 19, say amen. amen. Let's look at verse 1. Jesus, I'm going to go verse by verse with this, so just bear with me this morning. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So he was a tax collector, if you look back this way. And he was wealthy. In, in other words, this guy was despised. Why was he despised? And the, the scripture starts off with saying he was a tax collector and he was wealthy. He was a Jewish man who was wealthy because he was taking advantage of other people. The way that their system worked is as a tax collector... You had to be referred by another tax collector in order to get the job. And the way that they made money is he would show up at people's door and he would say, okay, you owe the Roman government $100, that'll be $150. Because whatever he took in over what the Roman government was owed is what he padded his own pockets with. So I want to set the, set the stage here that when you read this and you st stop on the name Zacchaeus, and it says he was a wealthy tax collector. Trust me, these people in that day, why? And this was very serious. We don't have a concept of this. The, the Israelites, the Jewish people were literally starving in many cases because they couldn't make ends meet because they were taxed so heavily. So this man would have been despised. Listen, this man would have been pushed out. And most of us would read the story, realize who he was and what he was doing and say, that is the last person that Jesus would ever stop and talk to. But I came to tell you this morning, Jesus did not come for the healthy. He came for the sick. Jesus did not come for those who are already found. Jesus came for those who are lost and outside of what they feel like was God's grace and mercy. He was basically a criminal cheating his own people, blessing the Roman occupiers and cheating his stone own starving people. And to top it all off, the Bible says this, he was the chief tax collector. So he's the El Jefe. If you know Spanish, that's the boss, right? It's a little Spanish I know. Ask Leah to call me that at home, El Jefe, the boss. She doesn't do it. 
Listen, he was, he, was so, he was so despised that he wouldn't even have been allowed to go worship with the Jewish people. He wouldn't even been allowed to go. But listen to me. Talk to any rich person in the world. In other words, he had the bling. He had the Ferrari chariot. He had all the good stuff. He had all these things. But listen to me. And you talk to anybody who has a lot of wealth, and they will tell you the most important thing that they miss in their life is just good old-fashioned human interaction and relationships. Amen? So that's what he was missing. And we, we can't see this directly in Scripture, but I can tell you from human relationships, Zacchaeus was hurting and he was rejected. And you may say this morning, yeah, but he deserved it, and that would be an easy thing to say. He did. But can I tell you something? So did you and I. They may look at him and say, man, you've got it going on, but have no idea how much he is hurting inside, which is interesting to me because this happens all the time. We can look at somebody and look at them from an outward appearance and think, man, they really have it together and they really have it going on, but we don't realize what is going on in people's lives truly and in their hearts really. I mean, you may even seem like the most spiritual person in this room this morning. I mean, when somebody asks you for a scripture, you may be able to recite the whole book of Habakkuk. I mean, who can do that? Some of y'all can. But inside, you listening to me, inside, Zacchaeus looked from an outward appearance like he had it all together. But Jesus knew something that nobody else knew that he needed him as much or more than anybody else that was walking with him. And listen, the picture I'm trying to paint to you is this. He was not only rejected as a chief tax collector, but he had probably been made fun of his whole life. Look at verse 3. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. I don't know how short you have to be to be named in the Bible as short. But I'm guessing it's pretty short. You say, how short was he? In his driver's license picture, you could see his feet. If he were to jump off the toilet, he would have broken a leg. The man was so short. And listen, I'm not trying to belittle Zacchaeus. He was not only rejected, listen, he was not only rejected because he was a chief tax collector, he was rejected and he had been made fun of probably his entire life. Do you see the heart of our Savior? Do you see it? Because when you see it, you understand that however you walked in here this morning is not too far from Jesus to change your life. Because one of two things happen, listen to me, and this, this is everybody in this room can relate to this. One of two things happen when you're pushed out. I'm telling you about our society that we're living in today. People who feel like they're pushed out will find a way and find people to get accepted in. Are you listening to me? What we do is we find and we run back to people searching for what validation Please make me feel special. Please make me feel loved. Please make me feel. And now social media has just absolutely blown this out of proportion. And I have fun with that. Leah was telling me the other day, she said, look, there's all these people wish me happy birthday. I'm so blessed. I said, well, how many? 
she said. And I said, I had a hundred more last year. I was kidding, but she looked it up. No, you did not. No, she, she didn't. Church, we're, we're living in a time and a season when people are looking for validation. And if we can point them towards the true validator... Because the only one that has any, the only one that has any, the only one that has any right to validate you and call you who got who He created you to be is God, because He formed you in your mother's womb. He created you. He filled you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That is not self-help. That is God's word. Today, the second thing we do. And this is what I encourage you to do. The second thing you can do is do what Zacchaeus did and run to Jesus. Look at verse 4. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now I want to pause there and highlight two verbs. He ran ahead and climbed. There are two things that no self-respecting Jewish man would ever do, and that's run and climb. But I think there's something deeper going on here in these verbs that are listed out that, that Luke took the time as a doctor, as a physician, as somebody very detail-oriented, listening to the story of what happened on this day from the other apostles and disciples and writing it down for history for us to see who Jesus is. That's why Jesus came. Jesus wants you to know who he is. God, he wants you to know who your father is. There's something no self-respecting Jewish person would have done. It's run and climb. Wouldn't have done it. What does that tell us? To me, Jesus said, if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like little children. What do children do? They run and they climb. Think of the story of the prodigal son for just a moment. The prodigal son, the father runs to embrace him and meet him. You have an image of God this morning that is cold-shouldered and standing afar off because of something that you've done. Can I tell you, when you run and climb and to get to God and reach for him, the woman with the issue of blood, she says she's stretched out. So can I tell you, what, or I, I love this story too. There's, there's four friends that are going to bring this paralytic man. They're going to get him to Jesus. The crowd was around, and they ripped off the roof to get them to Jesus. If you'll run, if you'll climb, if you'll dig, if you'll stretch to get yourself to Jesus, he has something to speak over you today. Because he looked at him and he said, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I can guarantee you the rest of the crowd was not calling him Zacchaeus. They were calling him things that I can't mention in church. Despised, rejected, hated, already had been probably made fun of his entire life. I feel the Holy Ghost as I say that, but Jesus was coming. The Lord was passing through. If you can see tears in my eyes, is it because I'm Zacchaeus? Everybody else was calling him this. Can, can I tell you, throughout your life, you may have had somebody continually say things over you that weren't what God thought. 
And those go, get so deeply ingrained in our, again, this is not self-help. This is the word of God. That if you'll renew your mind on what God says about you and who God said you were, because Jesus walks up to the tree and he says, he doesn't say tax collector. He doesn't say shorty. Right? He doesn't say that. Zacchaeus. Do you know what Zacchaeus means? Righteous one. And we see Zacchaeus starts to climb down out of the tree. And D.L. Moody said this, how long did it take for Zacchaeus to be converted and changed? In the seconds that it took to get from the top of the tree to the bottom of the tree. I don't know if that was four seconds or seven seconds or eight seconds, but here's how we think God operates. And I came to flip the script on you this morning to understand how God operates. He, Jesus did not call him righteous because of what he had done. He called him righteous, and then his behavior began to line up with who God said he was. Are you listening to me this morning? Why is that important? Because religion works in, on you. God works in you. He works in here. There was a complete revolution. Listen, when he comes down... He says, listen, I am going to pay back and give all this to the poor, and I'm going to pay back four times everything that I took. Now, Jewish law said that you were supposed to give 20% to the poor and only 20% of what you had taken. Listen, 400%. Do you know what that tells me? It's a life that's truly been changed by the love and the mercy and the goodness of God. Everybody else had called him everything else under the sun. Again, where I started is where I want to end back up in this story that we're talking about today. Some of you struggle so much with loving yourself. God doesn't make junk. He doesn't. He doesn't doesn't make mistakes. Some of you have been told, man, you're just a mistake. And listen, it, it may not even have been or a time in your life when it was even... A lot of things that happen to us aren't intentional. I catch myself doing this. If somebody has a certain role, Alexis is a worship leader. I just continually worship. She's a daughter of God. This, this happened to me, and I'll be vulnerable with you for just a second. This happened to me, and listen, my mom was a blood-washed, spirit-filled, praying, awesome woman of God. But they didn't mean to have me. So for years, I was called the accident. Do you know what that does over time? If you're a parent in here and that happened and you say it, it's not a joke. Because listen to me, the enemy loves to use stuff like that to get right here into your head. I see some of you laughing. If you call me an accident, I'm, I'm coming out. So I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. There he is. Pastor accident. We accidentally voted you in here, bud. No. I'm kidding. Zacchaeus didn't make changes in order to receive the acceptance of God. God let him know that I love you just the way that you are right now. 
listen to me. The change came. The problem, if you're sitting in here today, is if you've been living in the same old sin for years and years, you haven't met Jesus. You say, why do I see that? Because when you really meet him, there is no sacrifice. There is no devotion that is strong enough to even come close to having a revelation. I'm not talking about something you mentally acknowledge. I'm talking about really experiencing the love of God that it says we cannot be separated from. Neither height nor depth nor angels or deep. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And in the time it took him to go from here to here, he was completely converted. And Jesus looks at him and says, party at your house. And can you imagine how indignant the religious people? I love making religious people mad. I do. I do. It's not hard. Just love on some people that they think are outside of the grace of God. Can I tell you the honest truth? You're, you were outside of the grace of God. You were cut off. You were distant. The Bible says you were outside. But we have been brought near. <laughs> Woo, come on, Jesus. By his grace, by his love, by his incredible mercy. You say, Pastor, isn't it dangerous to tell people just how loved they are? It's dangerous not to tell you how loved you are. Because when you don't know, you will be running everywhere else for fulfillment and validation. And there are people sitting around $150,000 boats or a million-dollar mansion or sitting around a table, and when it all gets quiet, there's still that ache right there in their heart. Zacchaeus had an ache. He, he, he had a huge hole from the fact that this is what everybody else said about him. That's why I started off this service by you just reciting if Tammy or Alexis, whichever one can come, or both of you, if you come back to the pulpit. That's why I began the service by just you getting an alignment by saying over yourself who you are. Because when your firm foundation is who you are, you will follow God's precepts. Those who love me keep my commandments. And it actually doesn't become a thing that you're trying to do. It becomes something of second nature because, again, what God wants to do is to renew your mind in his word and he wants the love to flow. Listen to me. So that when you look in the mirror, when you look in the mirror, some of you look there and you, you, you look deeply and you say, I don't know or understand how God could love me. He does. You are precious to him. Because he chose and decided, think about this, think about this. He could, listen, this was a choice of God. I don't fully understand it, and it seems, it really honestly seems counterintuitive to me that when God chose a place to dwell, it wasn't brick and mortar and lights and a stage. These are things that we need and help us center ourselves as the family of God around who God is. It's very important. But can I tell you something? None of this is even needed 
You say, well, what do you mean? What are you trying to say? I'm saying it's not needed because God didn't choose to dwell in things made by man's hands. He chose to dwell in something he lovingly created in their mother's womb, and that is you. And when he dwells in you, his purpose and plan is to get you to such a place where you naturally love other people. That's what will bring the culture divides that we see in our, in our society. That's what will bring the hatred down to its knees is a church that understands who she is and whose she is. You belong to the king of glory and the king of kings. And there is a, everybody say, there's a king in me. There is. There is a king in you. Better than any Super Bowl. It's better than anything you could ever accomplish in your life. Because here's the thing. I've accomplished things in my life and found out later they were so empty. And what was it that God was doing in and for me? He was focusing me on the relationship. I, 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 I'm not saying this just because I'm the pastor and I'm here at church. I'm really not. I have fallen, my wife and I both, have fallen so deeply in love with this church and this community. We love you guys. And over the last five years, to see the growth, to see people that when I walked in here, were really truly cowering and fearful and didn't know who their God was. You have come to a revelation of who Jesus is. And it is getting so deep into your spirit. Listen to me. When you're faced with choices and temptations that we're all faced with, it isn't going to be my voice ringing in your ears that's going to stop you necessarily from doing that. But I tell you whose voice will. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit. And listen, there's been times where he's told me two things when I'm faced with temptation. The Holy Spirit will say, you're better than that, and you're dead to that. You're dead to it. Not, it's no longer I who live. I was crucified 2,000 years ago. Somebody asked me when I was saved the other day, I said 2,000 years ago. Wasn't I? On that cross. And it says, you're now dead to your old life, your trespasses. But can I tell you this morning, some of you have beat yourself, that you've allowed the enemy to beat yourself up over the head with your past. Can I just release you from that this morning? That made you who you are. There's some strength down on the inside of you because of your past. There's some glory down on the inside of you because of your past. There's some power and anointing down on the inside of you because of your past. The enemy tries to use our past to beat us up. God wants to point out your past to say, look how good I am, child. Come on, Jesus. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Here's how we're going to end. We've had prayer time. We've had altar time. I believe God just filled us up afresh and anew this morning. Amen. Here's how I want to end the same way I started. (laughs) Wasn't planning on it this way. But before I pray over you and dismiss you today, I want you to say this. I am chosen. I am am accepted. I am am loved. I am am a child of the king. Father, I bless this congregation. They lift your hands with me right there where you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless Christian Center Church. God, I pray they would be blessed going in and they would be blessed going out. 
Father, they would be blessed at work and they would be blessed in their homes. God, I just bless that, that trans, there's a transfer of anointing and spirit into some of these young people here today, God. There's, there's something that you're beginning to do a synergy on. There's, a, there, there's something building in the, in the generations of this church, God, where you are going to explode in their lives and upon the scene, Father. We thank you for it. Father, I pray that your face would turn towards these, these precious people, that you would give them grace, you would give them mercy, and you would give them goodness that would follow them all the days of their life. God, we bless those who are joining us online this morning. God, may they be blessed right there in their home, car, wherever they are. Father, as they are as much a part of this congregation as anybody present here today, Father, we bless them. God, may the rest of the day, may you watch over us. May your angels be around us. May a hedge of protection, Father, be ours, God, today. Father, we love you and we praise you and glorify your holy name in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Go in the name of the Lord. Nobody's told you they love you today. Your pastor loves you.